Hey everybody, this is Ricky Warwick from Black Star Riders, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. Make me a deal and make it good for me. I won't get full of myself, I can't afford to be here. This is small town music, this is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me today, it's it's a couple of firsts happening today. First of all, my guest is lead singer from Black Star Riders, his name is Ricky Warwick, and one of the first, Ricky, go ahead, say hello. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Ricky, you are our first musical musician guest that has been back to the show. Oh, cool. Thank you. I didn't know that. Very exciting. And you have, you've always been one of our favorites. Thank like you we've had, uh, we've had so many people on, mm-hmm. but when people would ask Kyle and I, who, you know, who are some of your favorite guests? It's always like the same people are at the top. It's uh, Terry Nunn from Berlin, Ricky Warwick, cool. uh, Kenny Aronoff. I mean, there's just something you guys just bring like a, uh, you know, you guys are just nice people to the core, and you, you just and you can and it it comes out when when we meet you, and Thank it came you. out when we would do the show. So I'm just uh, kissing your butt a little no, bit, there, but hey, but listen. it's not but it's not a lie either because <laughs> when people ask us, you guys are like our top three. So we've had many great people, but sure, but you guys always well, make it make that. it to the Thank top. Thank you so much. Our other first is we've never done this before, where we do a track by track by an artist's album. That is, when you're listening to this, this album will be released tomorrow. And the album is the new Black Star Riders album. It's their fourth album. It's called Another State of Grace. And I'm so happy that you guys are still making music. You guys are on yeah. a, you guys are on like a two-year cycle almost. It's, mm-hmm. been, it's 2013, 15, 17, and now 19. And um, it's like the old school days. You guys are right. you're on a label, yep. Nuclear Blast. The whole, the whole time. And... Um, What's it like in 2019? Does Nuclear Blast, do they, do they fund the making of the album? Do you guys fund it and they just distribute it? How, how's it go? Um, yes, they do. It's, it's very much like old school, um, as you were saying, Pat. Uh, we're in a very unique position, I guess, in, in, in rock and roll, where our albums have done fairly well and they've recouped. Um, you know, we know we don't get too big for our boots. We know that we've got to work within certain boundaries mm-hmm. and we've got budgets that we've got to stick with. Sure. Um, and, and so we, we, we do that and Nuclear Blast have fronted the albums, given us the recording budget, you know, not, you know, not millions, but enough, <laughs> right. enough, enough still to work with a great producer yep. in a good studio and do it the way everybody used to do it 25 years ago. Now, I think back in that day, you know, if your albums weren't recouping, obviously the record companies would still bankroll you for two or three albums yep. just to see where you're at. That isn't the case so much anymore. So no. we're, we're very lucky. You, you got to produce. You got to put the well, that's it. great so stuff out there. We're lucky as a testimony to, to the fans out there. They've bought the records enough to enable us to keep making records. It's as simple as that. Also, it's not, um, it's like a real professional affair with you guys because the, the packaging's mm. great. Yeah. The band photos are great. Thank you. The art direction's great. I have the same feeling when I get a Black Star Riders album that I did when I was a kid and you would get, you would get the album and you would uh-huh. open it up. Even if it's just the CD, the CDs are full with tons of pictures of you guys and lyrics and it's everything that you want and you guys are doing it 
Right. It, it really makes me feel, and you, you and I, we're, we're like the same age or very sure. close to it, but it makes me feel like a high school kid opening up these Black Star Riders albums. Yeah, I love it well, so much. Well, we feel the same way and, and we have a, a very much a gang mentality in Black Star Riders. Maybe the oldest gang in time, but we still have a <laughs> gang mentality, you know, and, and I know Scott and myself, Scott Gorham and myself are very passionate about, you know, making sure that stuff's good quality, making sure that the fans get their money's worth. And everybody in the band is. And it's yeah. important to us to do the colored vinyl and the gate full sleeve because that's what we were excited about. And I think genuinely that that's never gone away. I mean, a great example was just yesterday. My, my, my youngest daughter is a huge Billy Eilish fan. And so am I. Oh, I, so is my daughter, well, my 14-year-old. Yeah, oh, my God. She's amazing. And I took her to, um, to Urban Outfitters. And, uh, you know, it was sort of a back-to-school treat. And uh, the one thing she wanted was the Billy Eilish vinyl. Yep, it's right there. They sell and them there at Urban them, And it was a gatefold sleeve. It was orange vinyl. And she opened it in the car on the way back. And she was... <laughs> She's like, oh my God, Dad, look, and the lyrics are in there. And look at the, she's holding it. And I was like, it's the best. You know, and I was like, I almost teared up, you know, yeah. because I was like, that's what it was like for, for me when I was your age, Pepper. Yep. You know, that's, isn't that how cool it is? That's so much better than just clicking a button. You know, I said, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's convenient. And, you know, obviously when you have a party, there's not 1,700 albums lying over the <laughs> right. floor next day. To right. but, but just to see her face and for her to realize what it was like for us when we were that age when we had to get on the bus and go to the record store but then we had this amazing thing you know i don't think it's ever gone away and i think and I, it's making a comeback too i, I, getting, I, I firmly so. believe that you know and i think that's why we do what we do in black star yeah. writers and it's uh, and and this thing's this uh, another state of grace it's coming out there's a deluxe edition like you said there's a vinyl there's a colored vinyl there's yeah. you guys are doing it it's great well i've got to i've got to give some kudos to nuclear blast as well who are, are very uh a huge part of that and always are very up for, you know, the special limited editions and mm -hmm. colored vinyls. With the digi books, all, all that, that stuff. stuff, yeah. They're really into that and that's one of the great things about being on that label. Well, I'm, I'm then you guys are in the right, you're at the right yeah. label because if they're, because a lot of, you know, if you want to call it veteran artists, a lot of places would just go, yeah, we'll, we'll put it out digitally and on a CD and... Yeah, cut but, the corners. Yeah, cut yeah. the corners, but yeah. not not with this stuff and mm -hmm. it's it's fantastic. Thank you. I want to give everyone a little bit of... Uh, uh, of uh, a rundown on if, if you don't know Black Star Riders, uh, this band came out of the touring version of Thin Lizzy, and then uh, and you guys paying tribute to the music of Thin Lizzy, mm -hmm. Scott Gorham, uh, classic lineup member of Thin Lizzy, and so at one point you guys were going to go in and decided you're going to make a with this band with that band you're going to make a new Thin Lizzy album. You're going to call it Thin Lizzy. Yep. But then at the at the ninth hour, I assume you guys thought, you <laughs> we, know what? We, we saw the light. We wised up. You were just like we. Without Phil, we can't call this Thin Lizzy. That's exactly what it was. And did, yeah. I think the last time you were here, you said everyone kind of had that feeling, but no one was saying it. And then whoever said it, and then you everyone. Yeah, agreed. it was all. It was all our sort of come to Jesus moment mm -hmm. in the room, you know. And it was one of those things where, you know, in in my in my uh, my head, I'm going, oh man, I'm going to be on the new Thin Lizzy record. It's yeah. going to say Rick, and my heart's going, what are you doing? <laughs> Right. You're an idiot. You know, playing yeah. these songs live and keeping the songs alive mm -hmm. is one thing, but recording without the great man, yeah, step too far. And I think it all sort of dawned on us instantaneously that this maybe wasn't the wisest mm -hmm. thing to be doing, that it was possibly sacrilege and it yeah. wasn't, you know, not right. It just wasn't right. Um, there you go. Yeah, when you have someone like Phil who is so... Uh so iconic, so legendary, and so hooked to that Thin Lizzy name, it's just... It's it's kind of hard to do that. I know a lot of bands, they lose a lead singer and they it, and they gain a lead singer, but it's still like the core 
original yeah. members with the new lead singer. I don't have any problem with that, but this was a totally different yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, when it's like, I don't think, when I close my eyes, I don't see Thin Lizzy with me singing. Mm-hmm. Right. I see Thin Lizzy with Phil. With Phil. And that's the way it should always be. The guy is irreplaceable. I would mm-hmm. never dream in a billion years of trying to stand into, mm-hmm. in those shoes. Even though yeah. if you listen to you sing a Thin Lizzy song and you close your eyes... <laughs> You can hear Phil in there, which is pretty cool. Well, he's a huge, it was a huge, yeah. is and was a huge influence on me. Um, growing up as a kid in Belfast in Ireland, you know, Lizzie, Lizzie were, were it, you know, they were, they were the band. Um, and you got to see them? No, I got to see Phil in Grand Slam. Okay. The band he formed after Thin Lizzy, sadly right before he actually passed away. Uh, never got to see him in Thin Lizzy, which is a, a great shame. But yeah, you know, they were just a, such a huge influence on me. And Phil, to me, is the iconic Probably, in my opinion, the greatest rock and roll frontman ever was. He had it all. Yeah, it's pretty in great. In abundance, you know? Yeah. Charisma. So, yeah. Just And, you know, you're, you're, sorry, you're, you're damned if you do. Like, people say, oh, you know, you sing those songs, you sound too much like Phil. Or you sing those songs, you don't sound enough like Phil. You know, I'm... You can't I'm, please everyone. No, but I just want to do... How would I want to hear those Thin Lizzy songs? Yeah. I'd want to hear them as close to the original sure. as I possibly yeah. could. Sure, yeah. So that's what I try and do, you know? Well, I think you're doing I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> I, Thank you. I mean, my, my dream would be to see... Uh, a Thin Lizzy show, but I know uh, in America that uh, that's yeah. that's hard, hard to come by. It's yeah. not it's not cost effective for you guys to not do a Thin really, Lizzy no. show. Not really, no. And you know we don't do that many of them anymore. No. It's just you know we just did a couple um, a few weeks ago. We did three festivals over in mm-hmm. Europe, and that's the first Thin Lizzy shows in three years. And it'll probably be eight, two or three years before there is any more, if there is any more. And, you know? and who's in that when you just do those shows? Who's well, in that band it's currently? It's very celebrate, celebrate, you know. We still have obviously Scott Gorham there. Yes. And we have Darren Wharton, who was the keyboard Which player. is great, because that's another, yeah. someone from the Thin Lizzy family yeah, tree, so absolutely. that's nice. Darren joined in, in, when they did the Chinatown album, mm-hmm. which I believe was way back in 1980. And then this time around, we had oh, uh, Damon Johnson, who was in Black Star Riders. Yes, and oh, he came out, came out for the Thin Lizzy show. Thin Lizzy show, so Damon's still there. Um, uh, on bass, we had Troy Sanders from Mastodon. Okay, which was incredible. You guys um, have had a you've, you, Tom Hamilton was in that slot. Yeah, from Marco Aerosmith, Mendoza. Marco Mendoza. Marco was there for a long time. Even, yeah. even when they were going out with John Sykes singing, yeah. Marco was playing bass. And then we had uh, Scott Travis from Priest on drums. Oh, amazing drummer. drummer. And what a band. And yeah, it that's sounded a, incredible. That's and we, great. You know, we did the whole The Black Rose album in its entirety, which is my favorite Thin Lizzy album. Me too. I me too. love that album. Yeah, me too. Uh, so we did all that in its entirety, um, you know, which was unbelievable to get to play songs like, you know, even My Sarah, Toughest Street yeah. in Town, yeah. you know, Get Out of Here. It, uh, songs that Scott had never really, didn't even play that much back so in he the had day. So he had to learn them. We had to do a lot of homework. <laughs> but it was phenomenal, uh, great band, and it's just a celebration of Thin Lizzy. Nobody's trying to replace anything here. We're yeah, just yeah, yeah. trying to keep the songs. It's just a tribute. It's a celebration, it's a exactly. It's a celebration of what a great band they are and, yeah. and they were, you know. And the audience uh, was super receptive, I'm sure. Amazing. Because they want to hear those songs too. Of course, yeah. Um, so what was my next thing? What did I want to move on to? Uh, Okay, so first album came out in 2013. Yeah. All Hell Breaks Loose. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Shirley produced that. Kevin Shirley, who's worked with uh, Iron Maiden and Journey and Aerosmith. And then you had The Killer Instinct produced by Nick. And I never know how to say his last Raskalinich. name. Raskalinich. Raskalinich. He produced, yeah. and he's worked with Foo Fighters and Rush. And he produced then the next two. He did. Now, the new album is produced by a guy named Jay Rustin. I yeah. don't know who, tell me about Jay. Jay, I don't know he just lives right down the street from where we're actually. Just right down, right that's, down the street. That's hysterical. Yeah, I know. Jay mixed the last two Black Star Riders okay. album. Yeah. So he's familiar with the sound and everything. Yeah, very cool. much so. But he does, you know, he's he's probably primarily no, known uh, as an engineer mixer more, mm-hmm. 
more into production work. Although he has produced um, Steel Panther, okay. Anthrax, The Donners. Oh, okay. Well, that's he's done a lot of pop stuff as well, mm -hmm. and and we just love Jay. And just you know, with the lineup changes uh, going into the fourth record, we didn't want to record in Nashville. We felt we we'd, we'd done that, mm -hmm. and we just felt it was time to make a change on on the producer side. Record in Los Angeles, um, which we're excited to do because two of us live here. Scott's obviously from here. Yeah. Um, and Christian Martucci, a guitar player, is just up in Oregon. So it just made sense to, to come to L.A. And we recorded a great studio here in the Valley called Sphere Studios. Not too far from here either. Nope, not too far at all. And had a wonderful time. And a different recording experience as well. I mean, You get you to sleep in your own bed. Get to go home at night, get yeah. to get up in the morning, drop the kids at school, which maybe is a bad thing when you're, <laughs> when you're trying to make a record. But um, I, I loved it. I loved the whole experience. And I loved working with Jay. I thought he was phenomenal. Really well, he did a great job because it sounds it, uh, it it sounds just as good as the other albums. Thank you. And uh, for me, every one of these albums, and this was the scary thing when I decided we would do this. I think Killer Instinct is better than All Hell Breaks Loose, uh -huh. and I think Heavy Fire <laughs> is better than Killer Instinct. And Heavy Fire of the right three on. was my favorite. So right. now you send me the MP3s for this, and I have to listen to it. And now I'm like, okay, what if I what if I don't click with this one? What, what are we going to do? Right. But I can look you straight in the eye and tell you, <laughs> this is better than Heavy Fire. Oh, thank you. It is unbelievable. You guys, yeah. I don't know how you guys are doing this. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's better. It sounds, all the albums sound great, but this one sounds so rocking and it's, it's got a lot of layers to it and uh, all the songs are good. Thank and you. I, top to bottom, there's not, there's not a song yeah. That I would skip yeah. on this album at all. Yeah. So congratulations oh, on thanks, that. Man. Thank I can't wait for people to hear that. Yep. Um, so lineup changes real quick. Damon Johnson, yep. who was a founding member, yep. and he just played Thin Lizzy shows with yep. you. He's still your bud. Yep. There's not not a there's no no uh, salacious nothing bad. He yeah. just wanted to wanted to move on and do some solo. It's stuff. As simple as that, you yeah. know. I knowing Damon as well as I do. About six, seven months before he announced he was leaving, I could tell that he was going to. Mm -hmm. uh, just because I know him so well. Yeah. Uh, you know, we tour in Europe a heck of a lot, and that means being away four or five months out of the year yeah. on a different, different continent. Mm -hmm. Everybody's home life is different. Everybody deals in it a different way. Yeah. It's tough being in a band. It's tough being in a band when you're older and you've kids at colleges and schools. It's just trying to move all the pieces yeah. and make it all work. It's not easy. And I think Damon just wanted to dictate his own schedule and didn't want to do the seven, eight week tours. Yeah. He wanted to do two, three weeks and then go home. I completely understand yeah. that. You know, Cause he's a dad too, right? He's a dad too. Yeah. And like I said, everybody's situation at home is different. So he wanted to dictate his own destiny as it were for touring. Um, he made a solo record I know, which he was very passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I think he felt he wanted to give that the commitment and time to try and, uh, try and, and, and promote that as best he yeah, could. Yeah. And you know, Black Star Riders obviously made demands that wouldn't let him do that. Sure. So, and, and being a great guy he is, it wasn't like, hey, I'm leaving the band tomorrow. It was like, you know, he told us, we finished the Judas Priest tour in the spring of last year. And he told us at the end of that that he, he wanted to move on, but said, hey, I'll stick around till the end of the year, till you get somebody else in place. That's great. You know, yeah. I'll do good the guy. shows. And, and then when it's all good, we'll, we'll do it. So he, you know, he stuck around till November, till we, mm -hmm. we got Christian Martucci, who's a new guitar player. And, and then we parted ways. But like you said, we're still great mates. I mean, I talk to the guy. Once, yeah, because you guys, you guys go out sometimes and do these yeah, solo gigs together. Stuff, yeah, you know. So we'll still see you guys do those when Abs time permits. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So the new guy is, uh, well, there's two new guys. Yeah. Uh, but Chad, 
how do you say his last name? You guys Chad are, Saliga. I know. These guys' <laughs> names, I can't say him. Chad Saliga, he, uh, he was not on the Heavy Fire album, no. but he was on, he was on the, the tour. And I saw you guys yep. twice on that tour, yep. and he fits in perfectly. Chad's amazing. Great drummer. Unbelievable. Uh, looks rock and roll, yeah. just like all you guys yep. look. Yep. And um, you see the band photo, you go, look at this, uh, look at this band of uh, brothers. Right. I mean, you guys look great. Oh, thank you. So, um, so this is his first album, though, recording This is with his you. first time in the studio with us. Uh, and you know, it's funny talking about Chad being you, because like you said, he's been with us now for two years. Yeah. So he feels like, it just feels like he's always been part of it. Right. Now. Chad is a a wonderful human being, a very positive, very focused individual, um, always playing his drums, always practicing, which oh, I love, great. you know, which is great to see. Very enthusiastic. And he turned up to record, as we all did, but he just had his homework done mm -hmm. and just played the hell out of those songs. A lot of those tracks on, on, on Another State of Grace, the bass and drums are actually cut live. And it's usually, it's usually the first or second take that we did. So that'd be Robbie Crane on bass. You Robbie and Chad together. And, it, you know, we just kept everything. You know, if the odd bomb note here and there, you go in and fix. Yeah. But pretty much those were the first, either the first or second take of Chad's drumming. And there wasn't much overdubs going on at all yeah. between the two of them. That's how, that's how good they were. I mean, Robbie's, I mean, he's probably my favorite bass player in the world. He's, he's like a veteran now. This is his yeah, third I know, album. I know, right? He's, he's, old, yep. he's, he's old school now. But no, he, the two of them together, what a rhythm section. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer if you ain't got a good rhythm section, you haven't got a band. So, yeah, you need it. You got yeah. someone holding down that, uh, that bottom end for Absolutely. sure. I met, uh, I met Rob when you guys played down in Anaheim. Yeah. Opened for Saxon. Mm -hmm. Great show. Thank you. I th have you guys only played... SoCal like three times. I saw you at the Canyon I Club. I saw you in Anaheim, and then I saw you at the uh, Microsoft. What's it called? The Microsoft, Microsoft Theater. Yeah, I, yeah. I saw you. Uh, I saw you there. So I think I've seen you every time you come here. Yeah. What? How do we get Black Star Riders in the U.S. more? I mean, I know we're definitely going to tour this album um, next year as much as we can. Like a headlining club here. tour. Well, or, we, ideally, we'd love to get on another a big tour like we did with Judas Sure, because because that way. People are like, who are these guys? Exactly. Oh, my God. And then they go buy the record and all that fun stuff. But the success of doing those pre-shows last year has enabled us now to go out and do some club shows. Okay. Um, you know, because more we've been in front of more people, so obviously more promoters are more interested. It's just making, you know, with the industry the way it is now, we just won't go out and lose money. Yeah. We just can't afford you to. You can't, no. You know, so a tour has to make sense. You know, yeah. there's no point everybody being away from home for six, seven weeks and come back home going, you know, hey, honey, I was really great, but... <laughs> we had a fun, we had a blast, but, but, but you know, sorry. But we're 20 grand in the hole. You yeah, know, cause it's just, no good. It just doesn't, we just can't afford to do it. So it has to make sense. Look, you know, we're, even if it breaks even, we still might consider going, going and doing it if we feel it's going to benefit the yeah. band, but we just can't. So that's the real thing. That's the thing that doesn't hold us back, but we have to look at that every time. Um, but th I think we're now in a, a position where in the States where we can go and, and make it work. Yeah, I think so. And do, and do some club shows. And certainly with this album, that's the plan to be definitely more proactive over here. And that lineup with, of you, Saxon, and Priest, I mean, that's, killer, right? that's like a dream. <laughs> and all three bands brought it. Like there was no, and I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not real familiar with a lot of Saxon stuff, but that yeah. didn't matter because yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, I think, you know, we were slightly... Not concerned because we know how good Black Star Riders are, but we were definitely the the outside guys on that mm -hmm. in terms of where Saxon and Priest are, just classic, yeah, legendary heavy heavy metal <laughs> absolutely heavy metal bands, and you know, and we're not we're more of a hard rock band. You are, yeah, and I think we were like, oh, hang on a minute, how how is this going to go over with the with the, with with the Priest and Saxon audience? But 
you know, it went down a storm because when mm. they can stop there seeing that the guitars are cranked loud, we're sweating, we're playing from the soul. Yep. It's in your face, it's still anth- anthemic, you know. So I, I think we uh, we won over a lot of fans on on that tour. Well, let's. Uh, I got a ton more questions, but no, let's 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 play. Uh, let's let's get into some of the music. Let's go to track one. This this is so, this is like the perfect song to kick off the album. This is so great. Thank you. And let's crank this one up. rock song dude i mean that's amazing thank you this uh now i didn't have the songwriting credits on this so tell me who these who's this song credited to you write all the lyrics i write all the lyrics i write a lot of the guitar riffs as well okay cool so i write a lot of the music too um but this riff is a uh a scott gorham riff scott started playing that in the dressing room when we were on the road and i was like what's that he's like oh it's just something i came up with i went i went that's genius you know um i always like that story it's just something i came yeah, up with what you know it's scott gorham you know he, he only sort of writes quality riffs you yeah know? yeah he doesn't bring in a whole ton of them but the ones he brings in are just are, like are classic you're like oh yeah. my god these are great and uh i said scott that's i said that's brilliant i said i can hear a melody for it already so recorded it on my phone took it away um started messing around with it at home um, got a rough sketch of the lyrics together and a melody for it. Sent it to Christian Martucci, our mm-hmm. new guitar new player. Guitars. Um, Christian came back with a chorus, sent it back to me with the chords for the chorus. Wow. And, and there you have it. So it's, you know, it's a Gorham Martucci uh, Warwick collaboration. Um, and lyrically, I wrote it about having my heart broken for the first time, which wasn't by a, a girl, it was, uh, it was by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> my first, I had a, a little Jack Russell Terrier when mm-hmm. I was a kid. And the dog followed me everywhere, and we were inseparable. And uh, the dog got hit on the road one day and killed. Yeah. And it's the first time I ever remember a sense of loss, feeling that sense of loss, sure. having your heart broken. Because I'd never experienced it before, then, because I was, you know, I was nine years old. Yeah. And thankfully, nobody close to me had died. Or, and just remember how distraught and that feeling of loss. So I kind of expanded on that, and you know, wrote it about growing up with a couple of my friends that have since moved away, or a couple have passed on, sadly. And sort of saying, you know, I'm still thinking about you and still thinking about the times we had growing up in Northern Ireland when it was crazy and the troubles were going on. Yeah. But we made the best of it and we had a laugh and we used to get into trouble and all this kind of thing. And, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, I'm, here I am staring at the moon thinking about, thinking about you and hoping you're okay and 
Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. I don't even think I said the title. That was called Tonight the Sorry. Moonlight. Yeah. Tonight, Tonight the, Moonlight. the Moonlight. That kicks off the album. And I just love those. I love these hooky lyrics. Like, Thank you're you. always laughing, but you never smile. You're yeah. always crying, but you never cry. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah, it was a friend of mine I wrote about. This, this friend I used to hang out with, and he was uh, very good at showing no emotion about anything. Mm-hmm. And it would make me laugh because I was just like, you never get excited, you never get upset. He was just always like, and I was like, well, are you sure you're a human being? You know, he's like a but, like yeah. an android. He's yeah. a robot. So, and then you know, the interesting thing about that song as well, Pat, is the saxophone solo that's on that. I, always, I love saxophone solos, mm-hmm. and I always wanted to put one in a song, and never felt that we had the right track up until now until tonight the moonlight let me down that's michael monroe from hannah rocks playing saxophone really yeah that's nice which is great you have uh you have a a, a couple of get you have another guest uh coming up later on one of the songs absolutely and she's great yeah and uh so let me ask you about uh christian martucci when you bring in a guitarist that has to play with scott because they have to do that two guitar attack that thin lizzie's famous for and that Mm -hmm. you guys have incorporated is there an audition process? I mean, and then Scott has to give the final say, right? He has to of course. get along with this dude. So how did, how did Christian get in the band? Well, we auditioned here in Los Angeles, um, and we had about 10 guys come along who were all amazing, mm-hmm. all really, really good. And we finished the audition, and we just were like, these guys are great, but we haven't found our guy. We just didn't, you know, just didn't gel. Right. So Jay Rustin, who produced the album, um, said, uh, do you know Christian Martucci? And I said, well, I know he is. He's a guitar player in Stone Sour. I said, well, Stone Sour are finished. They finished their touring cycle. Corey's going back to Slipknot. They're going to be done for the next three or four years. Christian's looking for a band. He said he's a big Black Star Riders fan. That's he's a, a hell of a guitar player. Would you check him out? So I phoned him up and, and talked to him on the phone and, and hit off with him straight away. And we got on really well. And I said, look, you know, I know that um, you're up there in Oregon. I said, just just send down a video of you playing along to something. And he sent down a video of him playing along to track called Soldier's Town off the Killer Instinct, yeah. which is a Scott Gorham riff and an amazing one. And I just opened opened up the attachment and watched it and went, this is this guy's phenomenal. <laughs> you know, he's just phenomenal. Showed it to the rest of the guys, uh, sent it over to Scott, and Scott's like, what are we waiting for? You know, and Christian's like, do you want me to send some more videos? I went, no, you got the gig, it's yours, you know? Um, and then him and Scott got, obviously got together really for the first time in pre-production um, and just hit it off straight away. The vibrato between the two of them is perfect. Yeah. Scott got on with Christian great and vice versa. They worked really well together. They played their asses off on the record. It was just, it was really inspiring watching the two of them just, you know, get, getting down to it and playing those great solos. And I got to assume at some point, like a guy like Christian Martucci, he's probably like, I'm, playing with Scott yep. Gorham right That's now. That's exactly what he's doing, yeah. <laughs> you know, Christian's being such a fan. And I, I, what I liked about Christian as well, he's kind of got a similar background to me as we both come from the punk rock sort of mm-hmm. side of things. But Christian can play anything from like Hank Williams to Slayer and everything in between. And he, again, you know, and, and that, the playing's just part of it. You have to have the personality because being in Black Star Riders is all about the hang as well. You've got to be able to hang. You've got to be able to be chilled because we spend so much time on tour yeah. buses that you've got to be, you've got to get along. Otherwise, it's I would say pointless, that in, you know? in all bands, yeah, it, well, that should be important. It should be, but in a lot of bands, it isn't, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's always that one or two guys in every band, you're like, God, you know? So, um, but Christian's chilled, great dry sense of humor, and we all just hit it off with amazing. Again, positivity's there and, and abundance, attitudes there and abundance. His work ethic is, is second to none, so we, we got really lucky. That's excellent. You know, because it love, wasn't going to be easy replace, like replacing that. Damon. We knew that. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the fact that we did strike gold with Christian is, uh, is, is, is really good. 
All right, next track we're going to feature is track two. This is the first song you guys released to the public. Yes. And I'm one of these people, when, when bands I love are releasing songs way in advance of the album, I don't listen to them because I don't want to get sick of that song to when I'm listening to the album that I'm fast-forwarding that one Right. jumping it because I've heard I know it so what you much. Mean. Yeah, yeah. So I, the two tracks you guys listened to, I didn't listen to maybe right. like a snippet, like sure. 15 seconds. Sure. Like, okay. But, um, so this is the title track, another state of grace. I'm going to take it from the second verse. All right. And this one, uh, has a Celtic feel very much. So, and I love the, the yells of the, Hey, I love yeah. it. So here we go. Another state of grace. Great tune. How do you guys, uh, you got four albums now. How do you choose a set list? <laughs> I mean, because you we, got, you, you know, when the first album came out, you could still throw in a lot of Lizzie songs sure. if you wanted to. Now the Lizzie songs are kind of getting. There's none. There's none now. Nope. Not in one. Nope. All right. Well, you need to know that going in. Like yep. if you're going to go see you guys and think you're going to hear some Lizzie. No, we're you're not listening. going. We're, we're black, you're not. We're you're black, right. We're Black Star Riders. And after five, four solo albums. And seven years. Yeah, you're definitely Black Star Riders. You know, so um, that was always the intention, if we mm. could, could keep the band going long enough and you know, have the success that we, we hoped we'd have and, and, and thankfully have. We were very adamant that we were not just going to you know, be the band that went out and played three Black Star Riders songs and the rest yeah. was Lizzie. Um, you know, and with each album, that obviously has got less and less as we've... we've we stood on our own and now after, you know, like I said, seven years and four albums, you know, we've got, you know, 50 songs to choose from. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're, you know, Thin Lizzy or Thin Lizzy and that's great. Yeah. They're amazing. They're doing fine, thank you. But, you know, Blackstar Writers now has definitely come into yeah. its own. You've um, carved out, you, you've yeah. carved out your niche. You've, you've yeah. earned the right to yeah. not play a Thin Lizzy song. Well, as yeah. weird as that sounds. It is, you know, and what a great, what a weird sort of situation to be in, having to sort of say, well, we're not playing a Thin Lizzy right, Exactly, songs, you know exactly. I mean? Who gets to say that? It's almost sacrilege, but uh, yeah, you know, and the set, we just, we just picked the set list for the touring that we're starting next month in Europe. And, uh, Again, we've got certain songs that, that, that have to be there that were, you know, big hits over in, over in Europe, you know, yeah. like, like Finest Hour and Killer Instinct and, and Bound for Glory and, and Kingdom yeah. of the Law, all those songs. She so put those down first and built a set around it. Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And we're really excited about playing it, you know, and playing the, I think we're doing 18 songs. In the wow, that's great. See, great. That's, I want that tour in the U.S. Yeah, me I too. need that. I know, right? Um, how, long, how many songs do you go into the studio with? There's... there's 10 songs on the album, but then there's a bonus track sure. that you're going to be able to get on deluxe editions and stuff. But how many songs do you show up to? We went in with about 17 okay. and cut it down to 11. And it was funny because two of the songs that are on the record were written literally the night before we started pre-production, weren't even on the list. So we would have had 15 songs going okay. in. Scott brought in a song, which we'll, we'll get to and I'll explain, brought in a, a totally finished demo of a song, just needed lyrics and melody. And then I wrote um, a song literally the night before and, and showed it to the guys. And they're like, 
great. And both those songs end up on the record. So, wow. So there you go. But did you record 17 songs? We didn't. You didn't? We recorded 11. You recorded 11, yeah. and that's the 11 that yep. we're, we're hearing. Yep. Okay, cool. Because, you know, guys like Springsteen go in with 70 songs. Oh, and, I know, yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's We just, well, we just, <laughs> we, I'd like to. We don't have the time or the money to yeah, do yeah. that. So we got to sort of be pretty militant about what we're going to record and how quickly we, how much time we have. How much, uh, like you said, bass and drums recorded together. Yeah. Uh, how many songs do you guys ever record, like, all together at the same time? Like, that's full you, on live? Yeah, that's pretty, you know, this album was a first for us in a lot of ways. So obviously a first to work with Jay Rust and Pat, but... We recorded uh, in a process that I'd never done before, and I don't think any of us had, where we did a song a day. Because usually, what you'll do is you'll you will go in and you'll 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 play live to get the drum tracks done. Yeah. So you'll have your ten drum tracks, and the bass player and the drummer will go home, and then the bass player will come in ten bass tracks. He'll go home. Okay. Two guitar players are left. They do their ten tracks. They might split. Then it's 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 left for me. I've got ten vocals to do in, in five days. Okay. And it works fine. With Jay Rustin, he, we did a track a day, so the drums and bass would go down, then the rhythm guitars would go down, then whatever lead parts would go down, and then the next morning I'd come in at 10, 30, 11, I'd sing the vocal, and we'd move on to the next song. So everybody had to stay. Nobody could go home. Everybody okay. was invested in the record right till the end. And That's in, good. I like their, that. It was amazing. I'm putting their ideas in, and then you don't have that whole thing going, oh, God, I've got, you know, 10 tracks of lead guitar solos to work, you know, work, right. or 10 tracks of vocals to do, because you're like, it's done. It's, as you're going along, each song is done. You can go back at the end, you can, you know, revise everything and yeah. go over it and make some tweaks. But for me, now it's the only way to record. I wouldn't record any other way now. All right, Jay, Jay, it looks like you might be getting a call in two more years. Yep. <laughs> Here's uh, track three. This is the second one you guys released to the public, yeah. I believe. Ain't the end of the world. song sounds a little like bound for glory to me. a little bit it's got a little taste of bound for yeah. glory in there ripping off ourselves <laughs> that's how long you guys have been doing it now you can you can actually yeah, I, I think that without doubt pat that's the most signature black star Riders song on the record that's yeah. the instantly recognize you hear Absolutely. that you go, that's black star Riders, and i'm okay with that and and sure that's what you that's what you hope for that yeah. people hear something and go hey i think that's right. van halen or that's aerosmith or yeah. that's black star Riders. Uh, sure and i think you know after four records we, we have developed our, our own sound on our own our own style. So um, I'm totally, totally fine with that. Um, again, you know, it was, it, it, that was a song that was written very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I write everything on acoustic guitar and I had the, the chords and uh, the melody and everything like that. And I took it to, uh, again, to Christian Martucci 
and Chris and I worked a little bit more on the music and then brought it into the guys and, and Scott and Christian came up with a killer uh, dual guitar harmony to tell hook that yeah. you hear at the start and the reintro and everything and it, it, that the song just turned out great you know it's, it's it, again it's very catchy it's very it's very poppy I'm a, I'm a big fan of you know the three minutes 30 second get and, it done get it done yeah and, and all these all it. these songs are uh, you know there, there's no like five or six minute opus on this it's no, all no we're, we're all about the song none of us are into this sort of musicianship uh, wankery is if I can say that word <laughs> you know and, and no look at me we're all, we're all hey let's make this song really great make a great song and not a know. no one needs to noodle for two or three minutes and what is your uh, when you when there's a when there's a lyric like if it ain't the end of the world it's the end of you and me when yeah. you when your wife hears lyrics like this <laughs> does she ask you hey who, who's this about she d- I mean she does sometimes <laughs> um but you know uh again I try and I try and write I sometimes try and disguise stuff a lot of the, like Phil line at Springsteen you mentioned and Joe Strummer are very, were very are very good at writing great what I call rock pop songs mm-hmm. that you think are very feel goody and just happy but they're actually about something that's very dark mm-hmm. or, and and they disguise it really well and I'm really intrigued by that um, we did it on the last album with Dancing with the Wrong Girl it just sounds like a love song love that which song. is actually about a serial killer yeah. You know, and I get, with Ain't the End of the World, it's actually about dealing with depression okay. and talking to your, your evil twin, as it were, and saying, I know you're trying to drag me down this dark road. I know you're making me do things that aren't right and aren't good for me and the people around me. I'm done listening to you. If the world's crazy enough as it is and it's falling apart, but if Ain't in the World, it's the end of me and you. You're done. Well, see, this is what, this done, is what, I, done, this is what I'm not picking up on right. my... Uh, few listens so far right. but I disguised it as a love song yeah. and, and if somebody says to me that's what it's about then that's what it's about Yeah. but to me that's what I wrote it about but if somebody gets a different meaning out of it I love that I yeah. think that's great that's know? the great thing about music absolutely I mean how you know we didn't know that every breath you take was about a serial killer right <laughs> until Sting said oh that's what this yeah. is about you're like no. oh really yeah uh, great song that's Thank another you. great song Thank you. Uh, let's jump into song track four Underneath the afterglow, I'm going to start at about 22 seconds in. Right on. This one, I think that you uh, you really sound like Phil on this one. Oh, thanks. That's me. That's what I'm saying. Let's find out. Love the lyric, hates a four-letter word, loves a four-letter lie. <laughs> Thank you. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, who wrote this one? Who was a? This is a, one of the ones I was telling you about. There was a, this is the last-minute edition. Okay. Scott Gorham um, came over to Los Angeles about a week before we started recording, and he still he lives in where is he? London. He's London. He's been in London for London 40, forever. 40 From years. Pasadena, Glendale, Glendale, okay. Glendale Gunslinger. Okay, that's, that's right. As we call him. So uh, 
Scott, Scott came over a few days early and went up to stay with his nephew. His nephew is a guy called Jesse Siebenberg, who's mm -hmm. a very talented musician in his own right. Jesse is the son of Bob Siebenberg, who's the drummer for Supertramp. Oh, okay. So Scott stayed up at Jesse's place. Jesse has a studio. And I go to pick up Scott the day before we start pre-production, thinking everything's done for the record yeah. and it's all great. And he's like, hey, bud, you know, me and Jesse have been working on this song. I was like, oh, Scott, you can't do this to me. We're starting tomorrow, man, you know. <laughs> So um, I was due to take my wife out to dinner that night because I knew I was going to be busy in the studio for next month. And I went home and I said, look, Scott's just given me this idea. And I said, it's phenomenal. I said, I'm going to have to stay in and write some lyrics for it. And she, my wife, bless her, she's very cool. She was like, okay, you know, you owe me. But so <laughs> I stayed in and um, I wrote the melody and the lyrics, but I didn't change anything from the demo music okay. that Scott and Jesse had written. So the demo is pretty much, we just went and re-recorded -re what musically what was on the demo. Yeah. Uh, and I wrote the lyrics and wrote the melody and um, I was listening. I think Scott, when he wrote it, I think he made it, he was listening to a lot of Stevie Winwood, you know, hence the kind of the B3 organ on there yeah. and the whole vibe and everything. And uh, I think that was a big influence on Scott. So I think I was, I, would, I think I was trying to sort of, I, give, give me Stevie Winwood a sort of humble pie feel off the, mm -hmm. off the arrangement. So lyrically, I try to keep that vibe in mind. And uh, basically the whole thing about, people that live in the past. It was better in my day. It was much better. No, it wasn't. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, you know, it just, it, you just think it was, yeah. but it wasn't, you know, and the whole thing, you know, uh, the social media, you haven't posted on your Facebook for four days. Are you okay? Yeah. Is everything you, all right? No, I just don't want to post a picture of my breakfast and my cat this morning, you know? <laughs> right. And it's like, leave me alone. I'm doing okay. You know, yeah, don't, don't, I'm don't, fine. Worry, don't worry about me. I'm okay living in the present. I'm fucking yeah. really good living in the present, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, everyone knows where everyone is 24 seven yeah, all the time. It's, it didn't used to be like that. It's overwhelming. I think the technology thing is great, I th but I think it's overtaken us as a species and we can't control it anymore. No. I think it's way out of hand now. I mean, and there is great things about it because, you know, we can t we can tweet about sure. this album and we can yeah. tweet about tour dates and yeah. all kinds of fun stuff. But, yeah, but yeah it's, it's it, to find a nice... Uh, uh, and you know, a nice space between. Well, would you would you it. walk up to a stranger in a bar and tell them some of the stuff you see people putting on on social media? <laughs> no. But but yet you feel okay to put something on social media and let the whole world into your internal problems in your life. Yeah, yeah. I don't. That I have a problem with. It's difficult, you know. Yeah. Um. When when you're given the music and you write the lyrics, then you have to take it back to Scott. And then he has to like the lyrics yep. too. Yep. So that that's a lot of pressure. Sure. Because he just gave it to you. Yeah. And now you gotta yeah. come up with lyrics immediately. In fairness to Scott, he was like, hey, I, he was like, I get it. I know we're starting tomorrow. If you can't, you know, come up with anything, uh, don't worry about it. It's cool. And I went, I went, Scott, this is a really great song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I said it'll be a travesty if we don't finish this and get it on the record. Um, um, and thankfully, it, it sparked an idea straight away. Yeah. I mean, I've reams of notebooks with lyrics. It's never really, thankfully, been too much of a problem no, that's for me good. To, to come up with something. So but he uh, doesn't give you a title or anything. You no. just you just bring no. it in and say, okay, this one's now called Underneath the Afterglow. Yeah. I mean, that's very something I, I am very precious about in Blackstar Writers, that I have to write the lyrics and I have to write the melody. Because you're saying them. You're singing them and saying yeah. That's not to say if one of the guys does bring in something and I get a connection with it, I would certainly put the time and work and effort into making yeah. sure it was amazing. But I think they respect that that's where I'm coming from as well. So they don't even really like, you know, throw words in front of me because, you know, it's yeah. like I got it, you know, it's okay, you know. I think everyone always assumes that the front man or the, the singer 
always wrote, writes the lyrics. That's not really always the case. Not at all. And um, But I think it would be difficult to sing words that you didn't write, that you didn't feel connected it, it, to. It, it is if you don't feel it. You know, like obviously people go, well, how can you sing the Thin Lizzy stuff? It's because... That's you grew a, up with that it. was a soundtrack of my youth. Yes. I connect with everything that, that, that Phil that was an influence that, that Phil wrote, and like you said, it's an influence. Phil's style of writing and his delivery is a huge effect on me as yeah. a musician. So, so that's different. But yeah, I, you know, you, you, it's I don't know. It's something that I feel that's what I bring to the band is, is the lyrics and the melody is, is my department. You know. Yeah. Well, you're you're doing a good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, tell me what the soldier in the ghetto is about. And then we're going to start it from the top because the intro, the drums is, is a keyboard. It's, cl- it's called a clav. Yeah. Stevie wonder used it a lot back in the day. Who's the playing motor. that? It's Fred Mandel. Oh, okay. You know, Fred played obviously with queen and yeah, yeah, yeah. Cooper and everyone, everyone. So Fred came in and, and played on a few songs and, uh, that was amazing just to have the great man, uh, Fred Mandel in, in the studio with seeing him at work. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Curtis Mayfield, and that was a huge inspiration for this song. Yeah, this is a different. Uh, this has a different, uh, a different sound than than other yeah. things you guys have done. I'm, I listen to a lot of Northern Soul and a lot of Motown. It's probably my favorite music. If you if you push me, um, and it's a big influence on me. You know, like Earth, Wind, and Fire, Curtis Mayfield, The Four Tops, The Temptations. Um, you know, you know all the Barry Gordy stuff. It's just. I just think it's great that the playing on the songs is so great and the vocal arrangements and the melodies. So I like to bring that into a hard rock band. Mm-hmm. And I think with Soldier in the Ghetto, I came up with a sort of almost now Rogers sort of low funk riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, took it to Christian and we worked a little bit on it. And Christian uh, came up with, I think, the, the middle eight section of the song. Um, and then lyrically, I just, you know, it's, it's that whole thing of that blue collar work ethic of, of being the good guy trying to do the right thing and, and, and just, you know, hitting a brick wall at every turn by legislation or the government mm-hmm. and not getting a fair shake or not being able to educate your kids, yeah. not being able to pay your, pay hospital bills. And, you know, where do you go when the world's just getting worse? And we're just, as a species, we're just, I, I feel sadly we're going backwards all the time. And it's really just a rally cry about that and, and how unfair it is, the system, which well, doesn't work, by uh, the way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well... We're going to talk more about how the system doesn't work with the next track, but this is Soldier in the Ghetto.
It's got a groove. Oh, yeah. Makes you want to dance, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. And again, that's uh, a little out of the box for what people might think you guys do. If people are trying to pigeonhole you, yeah. please know that you guys are, are really stretching your wings on, well, uh, on what this I'm album. Very, what I'm very proud of about Blackstar Riders, Pat, is that I feel we're relevant. We're not just... People could call us a classic rock band or whatever they try and pigeonhole us as. We but you're not because you're, you're a new band. We, as we, far as I'm I, concerned, you're I'm, a new band. And we don't make records for the sake. We have something to say. Mm-hmm. So we use making a record. A, 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 that's our vehicle to get yeah. it out there. And, and we want to make a social commentary on what's going on in the world or what we feel or what we see. Yeah. Um, and we still try and, and put that into our music as much as we can. So we want to be, we want to be relevant. We just don't want to be a band that goes out and yeah. plays you know, the, the hits or the... Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know that's, that's easy to do. Yeah. Like you said, you could, you, Black Star Riders could have recorded one album, two albums, played sure. a handful of songs, and then the rest Lizzie yep. songs yep. and people, yeah. and, be, and you guys could make a living and be fine, but yeah. you guys don't want to do that. No. And that's, that's integrity. Yeah, yeah. All right, now this next song, I'm going to try not to get uh, emotional <laughs> about this one, because uh, right. we both have young kids. Yeah. You, you have a 12-year-old daughter, yeah. I have a 14-year-old daughter. Yeah. This one really took me by surprise because yeah. I, re- I read the title and I and I in my head I'm like oh I, I know where I think I know where we're going on this one, and as soon as it started, uh, it was it was the chill song for me the hair on the back of the neck and you know on my arms and I yeah. was like oh man and um, the song is called Why Do You Love Your Guns yeah and um, you know I I always make it an, uh, a point to tell people that we don't talk politics on the show because I want people to come here to get away from politics. Understood. Of course. But, but is, that's, uh, if, turn it, you know, you guys can fast forward right now if you want because we have to talk about this. Well, it's not so much to me, I suppose it's politics, but it's just common sense. Common sense. I mean, I, I, obviously the song was inspired by what happened in, in Newton and Sandy Hook. Uh, my daughter was the same age when those little kids were so evilly murdered. Yeah. Um, and, um, I was over in Belfast actually with Damon Johnson. We'd just done a Warwick Johnson gig in Belfast. We got back to my cousin's house where we were staying that night and we were in great spirits and we'd, you know, we had a couple of drinks and, and his wife starts calling him and my wife starts calling me and they're hysterical and we turn on the news mm. and you know, obviously the time difference is one, two o'clock in the morning over in, over in Ireland. And I just froze. I was just like, this is horrendous. Yeah. Surely something has to change. Here we are, 2019, yeah. 250 mass shootings yeah. in this great country of ours, United States of America, which I love, and I love living here. Yeah. It's Me too. Ho- it's horrendous. And this, this song, it, it, you know, when this song started, I was like, oh, this song is, this song is a week ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just happened. It's so sad. I wish, I, didn't, I wish that I didn't have to write this song. Like, I wish the song wasn't relevant, but I, it's I relevant. I wish I never had to write it, but... Growing up in, in, in Northern Ireland and growing up with gun violence and seeing destruction mm-hmm. it's caused, losing my brother-in-law to gun violence as well, wow. um, it's very personal. And I wrote the lyrics right after, I think, uh, Sandy Hook was 2012. Mm-hmm. So you've I, had these for a long I time. I wrote, wrote it as a poem and uh, I put it away just to try and help myself deal with it. And I didn't forget about it, but I just put it in a book of poetry. And when everything was going on this year and nothing had changed, I thought, I got to revisit these lyric, these, these words and try and turn it into a song. And musically, the music came within... I mean, the song was done in, in, in half an hour. Yeah. 
So it was meant to be. But I'm just, without, we say, getting too playful and, and make, you know, everybody can quote the Second Amendment. How many people can quote, all these guys can quote on any of the other amendments? Yeah, I know. I keep hearing the Second Amendment stuff. I don't hear it, you know, you ask them, well, what's the Fifth Amendment? <laughs> oh, it's plead the Fifth. Well, that's an easy one. Okay, I'm giving you that okay, one. Okay, right? what's the Seventh Amendment? Right, you know, yeah. and, and it's just moronic that, that innocent kids who, should be full of life. My, you know, I'm, I know what it's like for your daughter's school. I drop my daughter off at school now, and it's like I'm dropping her off at a prison. There's armed security guards. Mm -hmm. They put a 12-foot-high fence around Beverly High yeah. School now. You know, it's intimidating. Yeah, my daughter's, my daughter's school is uh, it's up in Simi Valley, and it's, it's wide open. It's not like that. But then that worries me too, because yeah. I'm like, this campus is kind of wide open. Any, yeah. Anyone could maybe walk on. Of course. So, I mean, it's so... So yeah, you don't want to see armed guards and walls and, and fences, no. but then you don't want to see anything either. It's like, but it, it should be that way. It should yeah. just be able to. Well, I remember as a kid growing up in Northern Ireland and we would have bomb scares in our school on a mm -hmm. regular basis and they evacuate the school. And sure, we had the army on the streets and everything, but there wasn't this sort of mass hysteria and paranoia about it. People just got on with it. Yeah. No, I'm like you. I'm still like, you know, I want my kid to be, I, I don't even would never have dreamed or would have ever had to think about my kid not being safe at school. Yeah. But I do on a daily basis. And it just goes down to the whole thing is like, I don't want to take away these people gun, these people's guns. I want to stop them getting military hardware that's n which no civilian needs. No, and, and when I people want, say, oh, it, that's yeah. not for hunting. And if no. you say, well, we like to go shoot for target practice, I'm like, well, you're a pretty piss poor marksman if that's what you need <laughs> well said to hit uh, to hit a bottle on a, a I'm fence and just, just make you know let's make it tougher let's make it's tough to get a car it's tough to get insurance it's tough to get your driving license yeah. it's tough to get a passport it's tough. yeah let's make it tough to get a gun let's throw background checks let's make sure there's some mandatory gun training that goes along with that that people have to do like your driving test it's just common sense it's just common sense and then you can have your guns yeah but let's not make sure that anybody with no background jet can walk into Walmart and walk out with an AK-47 oh, and just go, hey, here I am, that's, let's go. That's a killing machine. That's a piece, that's, you know, they call it an assault weapon. I mean, if you want to yeah. shoot that, then join the army. Yeah, exactly. Um, my, yeah, my, my daughter, my 14-year-old, loves the mall, always at the mall. Yep. And I'm, every time I drop her off now. It's in the say, back of your mind, right? Well, I say this, I say it to her. I go, mm. stay together, beware of your surroundings, look around. Yeah. And when I'm at a movie theater. Yeah. Someone gets up. I'm looking. What's that guy doing? Who's that person? Someone comes in late. What's going on? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, last night, I dropped my 18-year-old off uh, to see Rocky Horror, midnight movie. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm not going to stop them from living no. their lives and no. having fun. But it is when I, you know, when I told her, you know, I love you and drove away, I was like. <sighs> you know, and then you know. We're, we've got, we're in a society where we're talking about building walls to keep people out and, and, and everything's based on fear. And, and elite, these shootings are being done by. You know, American citizens, the yeah. people, that are, people that are here. What are you going to yeah. do? Are going to build a wall around them to try nope. and stop them? To yeah. It's like, it's, it's a farce. And as soon as people wake up to the fact that fear and paranoia and hatred and intimidation doesn't work and mm. hasn't worked since humans walked the earth. Yeah. But I don't think as a species we're ever going to get that because greed and lust and power and money are always going to be, uh, going to be at the forefront, you know, of, of governments and... You know, I'm getting political. I'm sorry. That's no, you. I, I said we can because this is this is this is important. This is this is. Lies. It's just common sense. Yes. I mean, people go, you must be anti-republican. Then I'm a, I'm not at all. No, I'm anti 
morons. Stupidity. Stupidity in people, you know. I don't care what party you're with, but be a good person. Yeah, I want everyone to, I want every, I want all the politicians to do the right thing. And I, I wish, I wish no, I wish politicians would not be on Twitter. I know, well, that's the worst. Because you know, it's funny, like they, you know. Devil's keyboard for them, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can tweet anything. Like right now I could tweet that I'm at the gym. I'm not at the gym. Yeah. But so you can tweet anything. It's so believable. It's It's so believable, I know. But I mean, sort of end, there was a mass shooting um, back in the early 90s in Scotland in a town called Dunblane. Same Mm -hmm. thing, I went to school. The next week action was taken in, in the House of Parliament to ban all handguns in the United Kingdom. There hasn't been a mass shooting since then. Yeah. When we had the shooting last year in New Zealand at the, uh, I believe it was a, at a, a mosque, mm-hmm. if, I, if I remember rightly, um, New Zealand Parliament that next week took action on yeah. gun control. That next immediately, week. immediately. I mean, it doesn't. You know? I mean, I mean, if you if you look at the list of of you know mass shootings, like, and all all we all we get are thoughts and prayers. Oh, I'm sending thoughts and prayers. And prayers. You know what? I hate you, can, it. you can stick your thoughts and prayers up your ass. Up your ass. I hate they're, it. Because that's not, not going to change. Anything. You know. And I laugh when I said that, but yeah. uh, you know what I mean. I'm not. It's not funny. But I agree with you. It's horrific. You know. It's terrible. Well, let's. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Hey. Track six. No, this is called. Um, why do you love your guns? I woke up sad. The sun was shining, the coffee and lightning, the birds were singing, but I woke up sad. I woke up scared, feel my heart beating, if seeing is believing, hope that I'm still dreaming, I woke up scared. That's a beautiful song. Thank you. Great tune. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, a- after Parkland and this, I mean, I really, you know, those kids are still out there, you know, and they're they're of voting age now. I know. So, you know, there's hope. Get out there and vote. There's, there's hope. Al- there's yeah. always hope. But uh, you know, the line "everything is broken." It does feel like that sometimes. Yeah, it really it does. Really does. You know, I just, I just don't, I just don't understand why nothing is do- nothing is being done. Well, I do, but I think it's you know, I just, it's like. If it's innocent little kids, yeah, what the hell is it going to take? You know, yeah, because um, the, no one had a, a Democrat or Republican shirt on at, at Sandy Hook. They're, they're kids. It was it was every everyone. You I know? mean, it's 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 claiming everyone. You know, who are st- who still haven't discovered what life's all about, and to have it taken away so cruelly from them, it's just horrific. You know, yeah, yeah. it's tough. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, Let's well, let's just jump it right into you know. <laughs> let's cleanse the palate with this just straight ahead rocker in the line of fire. Though I mean, yeah. we're just we're we're talking about guns. What's in the line of fire about lyrically? Well, it's nothing to do with guns, thankfully. Yeah. So um, it's it's more a metaphor for putting yourself out there and just um, you know 
taking 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 life by the the scruff of the neck and and, and just living your life and 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 being as righteous as you can be and and taking the, the I guess the flack that goes with it you know and um, um, I think just it's a celebration of life. It's a positive song, yeah. you know. It's just hey, it, it, life can be really good. And take a chance. Take a chance, and, and yeah, exactly. Like all singers love to sing the word fire. It's Sings just like fire. Yeah, yeah. You think of Ian Osprey and James Hetfield when you <laughs> yep. when you say that say that word. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, or Brian Johnson from right. ACDC. Like all, yeah. all, all, all that stuff is great. That's a great uh, Robert Crane uh, riff. Robbie brought that in. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's some great bass riffs on this album. Yeah, he played his his ass off on this record. He's like I said, he's my favorite bass player in the whole world. Um, so he brought that one in, and uh, it was just straight up rocker and. Uh, we just treated it that way. So you, you, Robbie and Scott, you're the veterans of the band now. We're the, you guys, we're the old men. You're the, the band, old men right? in the yeah, band. Yeah. Um, so the next song, "What Would It Take?" This features Pearl a day. Yep. And she was on the last album, uh, "Testify or Say Goodbye." That's right. She's killer vocalist. Yep. Um, what's her? Uh, She's Meatloaf's daughter. Meatloaf's daughter. Married to Scott Ain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, uh, uh, they must live. I live in Woodland Hills. They must live out there somewhere because I see. They the, are. I see those right two. At, yeah, yeah. I see those two at Target a lot. Yeah, yeah. and you can't miss Scott Ian. Yeah, no, with Scott's that, great with that chin. Yeah. with the chin beard. He's yeah. he's you can't miss him. Yeah, so, he's uh, awesome. But yeah, Pearl is a killer singer. Very and so. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this at a minute ten, and then we're gonna jump to near the end so that we can really hear her. Yeah, Sounds good. Go at it. But this uh, this is what would take. I love the sentiment of the song. This is about winning back someone or rekindling your current romance. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I mean, or, I mean, not even just romance. It's just that thing when you you get into that argument with somebody or your discussion with somebody, and they're so stonewalled and blinkered that they, you know, they can't, they they just can't see the light, or they can't see that, mm-hmm. that they're in the wrong, or they won't admit that they're in the wrong, and or you can't get them to change. It could be about about racism, it could be about world politics, it could be about love. Yeah, it's that whole. Hang on a minute, the way you're looking at this isn't the right way. Can you try and see it from a different perspective? And they refuse to see anybody else's opinion, or idea, or ideal, but their own. You know. So what what will it take to make you see things differently? Yeah. All right, here we go.
fade it down. I'm going to take it to uh, near the end so we can hear a little bit more Pearl Pearl. action. must be fun to have guests come into the studio. It's great. I love it. So cool. Really love it. Yeah, certainly when they're of the quality of Pearl. It's, uh, it's amazing. That, that song was written, again, on the eve of pre-production. Um, one of those things where I, I picked up the guitar and started strumming thing and a melody came. And again, an hour the song was written. And uh, I knew it was different. And I thought, maybe this isn't right for Black Star Riders. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to show it to the guys because it is a little bit different for us. Yeah, it's very sort sure. Of, Americanish and its delivery and, and the whole thing. Um, and went in and just sat down and played it for them. And they were like, no, we got to record this. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And uh, instantly when we sort of were putting it together, we thought this is the song we got to get Pearl on. And you know, what's different for us is you know, there's Rickenbacker guitars used on that. Scott's playing some amazing picking stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christian's got the vibrato sound going on his guitar. So they really embraced it and, and took it to a whole new level. And it's a testimony to those guys because I, I was like, nah, I don't think this is right for Black Star Riders. And, and I was almost like, it isn't, you know. And they, they were like, no, it is. We're going to do it, you know. <laughs> so um, fair play to them, you know. I love that you, you're, it's, it's just a, a couple of days before you're going to record, but you, 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 it's just in you. You can't stop yourself. It's like last from, minute Christmas you, shopping, you know. Yeah, you're like, you're like, you oh, picked up the yeah, guitar. Yeah, yeah, you're you know? like, you can't stop yourself yeah, from doing exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. And then you're like, oh no, now we have another. I know, right? And there's worse things to have than another song, yeah. but uh, and that one and that one made it. Yeah. So it did. excellent. Thank you. Um, okay, in the shadow of the war machine, track nine. Yeah. This is a rocker. What's this about? This is one of the first songs I actually wrote after we finished Heavy Fire. Uh, again, listening to a lot of soul, listening to Edwin Starr, I think inspired this with the groove and everything that we've got going on on there. Um, and I think it's self-explanatory. You know, we're all living in the shadow war machine. When I was writing this, the whole North Korean thing was very much at its height. And, uh, you know, um, obviously, and Syria was, was, was full on as yeah. well. And it was just every time you turn on the news, it was just war, war, war. war, as, war, as, war. as it always is. And yeah. again, it's like you're, you're trying to get through life best you can and, and be happy and find some serenity and some, some nirvana and some peace. Uh, and it's not an easy thing to do when, you know... We have people running the world that are intent and killing each other all the time. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It kind of doesn't make it any sense. Be, why is it that hard? It just shouldn't be that hard. I don't know. Maybe I'm just turning an old hippie in my old age. But no, I think I, I, I think you know, deep down everyone feels that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's um, like God. Can you imagine if uh, if we let our our young daughters watch the news, they would be yeah. petrified. Well, I just think it's the whole thing is: Are you actually are these politicians actually watching what's going on? With the, with the common man and common woman in the world and, 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 and how tough it is to put your kids through college, mm-hmm. get health care, get a job, pay for your, you know, kids today, when we were kids, we didn't have to worry about paying for a laptop or a phone. Mm-mm. No. You know, kids, that's, you know, that's why kids don't want to leave home anymore yeah. because they're like, uh, well, hang on a minute. You know, our day you could get a job, put some money aside, get on the property ladder yeah. and you had a chance at life. It's almost impossible for kids to do that now, you know, because everything's yeah, so expensive and it's, it's nuts. You know, it's nuts, you know. The uh, yeah, my brother goes crazy. He's uh, he's a uh, he's about five or six years older than me, and he uh, 
He's like, no one, no, when I, no kids are ever outside playing anymore. No one's playing baseball. No one's running around. Yeah. And it is, uh, and I laugh at him, but then I look around, I'm like, oh, he's no, right. He's right. But you know, we, yeah. we would, if we had that technology, we were kids, we'd be doing the same thing. We'd be I mean, doing you can't the blame them for, no. for what they have, but everybody is a slave to their phone. Everybody's walking yeah. around staring at their phone now. And it's just. How do you feel when you're on stage and you look out and everyone has their phones out? Doesn't bother out? me. That doesn't bother no, you if they're taking videos all. and stuff. No, that's please. cool. I think that's totally cool. I get it. I get why it annoys me. What annoys me is when you do get that one person that comes to the show and holds the iPad up the, <laughs> the whole show. The iPad. It's ridiculous. The whole show. The iPad. Yeah. I mean, I've had it where the guy's in front of me and he's the whole show. And it's like, I get it. You want to take a picture or you want to f- film a minute of a song. Yeah. But the whole show. And yeah. that starts to really piss me off. It cracks but, me up too because I can sometimes a person will be in front in front of me and they'll be videotaping something or they'll be taking a picture and I can see what they're seeing yeah. and I'm like you're never gonna look at that again no and it's, it's a waste and of then, time and, and then they put it up on YouTube and the sound quality is terrible and you get people going oh the band sound terrible well, of course they of do of course they do it's you know it's, the phone speaker it's, you know it's it's trial by YouTube as I call it and it's it's not fair and but I don't mind people bringing listen I I think if they're taking photographs or a little bit of video and they're spreading the word about your band Mm -hmm. and about your music I'm all for it so funny when we were kids if we went to see a concert and we took a camera with us they'd confiscate it that's right now everyone has a camera yeah I know All right, here we go Uh, track 9 in the shadow of the war machine Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, like when, you, when we're talking about politicians, are they looking around, are they seeing what's going on? I still can't believe that people in Flint, Michigan, don't have clean water to drink. That doesn't make any sense to me. We seem to be spending all this money needlessly everywhere but on our own people in this country. Yeah. There's, you know, there's so many, so much injustice. There's so many homeless people here in the streets of Los Angeles. It's, it's really it's, rough. It's, it, what, 35,000 or something last count. And like you said, the Flint, Michigan thing, and, and obviously the gun control. I mean, there's no there's no reason why anybody should be hungry in the United States yeah. of America. It's uh, you know? it's very it's very difficult to see homeless people because I don't I feel helpless. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, I've I've given people a couple bucks, of, you know, whatever here and there, but I I know that doesn't fix the problem, and of course. I and I know it doesn't. Yeah. I don't even know if it helps, but it's, uh, I just yeah. don't know what to do about you know, it. It's a then, real helpless I, I, thing. And then again, the way we treat our veterans coming back from, from, you know, 
from war and stuff like that and, and, and they don't get the help that they need mm -hmm. or they don't get the a job or the security that they deserve for, yeah. for giving us their service. I mean, it, let's let's invest in us. Yeah. Let's invest in, in the country that we live in, you know? When I was a kid, I thought that if you went into the Army, Navy, whatever it was, yeah. and you came back, you were taken care of Yes. Yep. for your whole life. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's how it should be. Absolutely. And so when I, when in my older age, I find out that that's not the case at all. It was kind of shocking. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking yeah, it's about? That's a travesty. There's yeah. a homeless vet. That, yeah. That's not a thing. Yeah. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, this album is uh, sequenced mm -hmm. perfectly. Thank you. How much time does it take <laughs> sequencing an album? You have these 10, 11 songs. Now you got to decide what order they're going to be played in? Is this is this all is I, this all the producer? Is it by it's committee? It's all of us. It's all of us. It's the producer, our management, everybody that's in the band, everybody mm -hmm. that's close to the band. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll send them the stuff and go. What's your opinion? And it's all taken in consideration. But again, we 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 sequenced it like you would an album. We were mm -hmm. very conscious of a side one and a side two. Okay. So we wanted side one to end with um, Soldier in the Ghetto, and then we wanted the, the the ballad Why Do You Love Your Guns to start side two. Okay. And I still think that's the best way to sequence yeah. a record, you know, regardless of what format it's coming out in. So that, we certainly had that at the forefront of our thinking when we were putting the songs together. But we're quite a democratic band and um, nobody really gets too precious about, about anything. And, and in fairness, we all, when we sort of wrote our list, a lot of us were on the same, in, in, the, in the same ballpark, let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, the last song, the, the song that ends the regular edition of the album yeah. is... Poison Heart. Then I'm going to talk about sure. bonus track and how yep. it's decided, yep. yeah, all yep. that kind of. Yep. But this is a this is Poison Heart. This is track ten. If you have the if you're buying the regular edition of the album tomorrow, September sixth. This was the last track on it. Here we go. that second voice there is that you also it's me yeah it's you i don't think i've sung that high in years <laughs> no because you sound different because yeah. i thought oh i wonder if this is no it's me this is one of the other guys it's right up there we spent myself and jay spent quite a while that was probably the vocal that took the longest because we changed the melody um while we were actually recording it okay and and messed about with it quite a bit and uh I'm, like I said, I'm really happy with the end result. But he, Jay was like, you know, you can get up there. I was like, oh, I don't think he's like, come on, you can do it. And throw, you know, apparently I can, just about. Did, uh, how long did it take to record this album? It took uh, three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. And what's the, how many, how many hours a day are you in? How much studio time do you have per day? No, nothing crazy. We would start at about um, 1130 
Okay. Uh, do a little bit break break for lunch about about one. Get something to eat. Get back at it again. You know, one thirty, one sort of one forty five, and we'd work till about nine at night. All right, that's not bad. You know, is that when's the, when's the voice re- what what part of the day is the voice ready to be recorded? For me, it's the first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. Yeah, so when you get I'm, to the studio, you're ready. I'm straight in there. I mean, I'm I'm very much a morning person. Uh, I like getting up early. Um, me too. And you know, I, I it's my favorite part of the day. Is, is the morning and, and I get most of my ideas and do most of my writing because you're uh, alone no one else might yeah, be yeah, up at that I, I time just, I just feel good I'm, I've got energy I'll, I'll drop the kids at school maybe go to the gym for an hour come back start start writing um, and then by th- sort of three or four that's when I'm starting mm-hmm. to get tired and the fatigue's coming in maybe take a nap you know I've never <laughs> been one of these rock and rollers that stays up to four or five in the morning right, right. I mean I've tried it and it doesn't work for me. So no. what works for me doesn't is, really work for anyone. Is, it, no, is, is getting in there first thing. And I, I feel good. So that's when I like to sing. Are there any, any preparation you do for your voice? Is there anything you don't eat or drink or anything like that? Um, I had to change my diet. Um, just recently, uh, well, about eight or nine months ago for some health reasons. So I don't drink caffeine anymore. Okay. I don't eat red meat anymore. And I don't, I don't eat dairy anymore. Wow. That's a lot. That's a big change. Big change. I mean, that was nothing to do it was because I, I had to. I, mm-hmm. I just had some, some stomach issues that I had to address. And uh, I feel much better for it. All right. Much better for it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, the odd throat pastel and some warm-ups and that's about it. I'm that's not, it. And you're yeah, ready to go. I'm ready to go, you know. Uh, what was my name? Was? I had one more question about the recording. Hmm, I can't remember. All right. So a bonus track. Yeah. How do you decide what, what song is going to be the bonus track? Because you don't want it. Because this is a great song. This next song, Candidate for Heartbreak, is a great song. So it's yep. like, immediately when it's a bonus track, people think, well, wasn't it good enough to be on the album? But right. that's certainly not the case with this song. How do you decide which song is relegated if you're going to do a bonus <laughs> track or B-side or whatever you want to call it? You know, it's funny. That, 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 that's a great point you're making because when that song was decided, our radio pluggers over in the UK who, who, who are great and have a lot of success with us on the BBC over there, mm-hmm. you know, we've been playlisted a lot. Which is huge. Um, they thought that could. They, they thought the song could be a single, there and here we, here we are putting it as the bonus track. Yeah. Um, record label and management kind of called it because I was kind of like, I was at the point where like, like I don't know. I love them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I said, you know, pick one, and I'll argue with you if I definitely don't think it is. And, they, and I knew something had to be the bonus track, and they just went for this track called "Candidate for Heartbreak," and uh, I was like, okay, if it has to be. Okay, you know, I yeah. wasn't happy about it, but I understood that they needed a bonus track for different formats. Right. So uh, I think we were all just like, okay, whatever at this point, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. We'll let you decide. And then if it goes wrong, we can blame you. Right. You know? And Heavy Fire, that Fade is an amazing song. Yeah. Love that Thank song you. too. So, you. so, you know, get, get, the, get whatever format you yeah. can get, but I'll, I'll, we'll give you a taste of this and then you'll say, well, now I got to track that down. Right. So here's a candidate for Heartbreak. Quit me I'll bring a last victory Of anger 
I remember my question. All right. The uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, as a musician, other than obviously when you're playing live, but when a new album is ready to come out and you've, it's recorded and it's done, is this the most exciting time for you as a musician? Yes, very much so. Because you you just yeah. you want you're excited for people to hear this. Yeah, stuff. you really are. You're excited to get it out there and see the reaction. Mm -hmm. You're excited to play the new songs live. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I love I love this part of it. I, I really do. And um, well, you guys nailed it. This Thank is a you. great album, Thank top you. to bottom. You guys have been hearing snippets for this whole show. So now tomorrow, which will be September 6th, yes. when you're hearing this, go buy this album. we be able to get it everywhere. You can pre-order it on Amazon yeah. and the day that yeah. we're recording. Uh, it'll be on iTunes. It'll be everywhere. Go to Nuclear Blast. Every, everywhere you get music, you can get it. Yes. What... Um, what do we do? What else do we do to get the word out there? What else do you guys do? I mean, you guys going to be doing radio and yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we're, we've got a fairly heavy promo schedule coming up. I know we're doing a lot of radio. Um, you and Robbie have been doing uh, YouTube yeah. videos talking about Robbie the album. I've been doing that. Scott's been doing a bunch of stuff as well. Um, I know he's got a lot of radio stuff coming up to do here in the United States. Um, you know, uh, as much as we possibly can. Yeah, yeah, know? obviously, that, that's obviously. All, that's all, all, we're up, pretty much up for anything that will spread the word and get it out there. Um, I think we, we've got to get back over here uh, early next year and start doing some dates. So 2020. Yeah. All right. And when does the tour start uh, in the UK? It starts October 10th in Bristol in England. And uh, we go right through to the end of November, we, UK, mm -hmm. and then into, into Europe right up to the end of November. December we have off. And then next year will be, uh, you know, other parts of the world, you know, hopefully, yeah, definitely United States of America, hopefully get back to South America, Japan, mm -hmm. Australia, probably, and then all of the European festivals next summer. So are you in, you're in town till October? Uh, I'm not, I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually leaving to go to the UK for, uh, to do some more promo in September for about 10 days. Okay, cool. Yeah. Obviously. And then wh how much rehearsal do you guys do before that first gig? We're doing three days. Which isn't a lot, but no. you know, we'll probably play four or five songs from the new record, mm -hmm. and the rest will be obviously songs from the other albums. Right. So we know those, hopefully. Uh, we're we're pretty good about doing our homework. So when we do get together, because um, we do live all over the place, so it's, we can't just get together, drop a hat, and rehearse. We right, right. So we, when we do get together, we should uh, hopefully all be on the same page and have the stuff learned, and, and it's just repetition, running over it, and and getting out there and seeing how it goes. All right. Well, uh, when this album comes out, I'll, uh, I'll pick up a couple copies to give away to the listeners. Maybe Thank I can you. hook up with you and of course. get your, I'll come to you close to you and no, you can no sign problem, them. Pat. And, uh, no, but, uh, I'm always talking about black star riders. Thank you. I'm always talking about it on the show. Uh, I appreciate you. You got me and Kyle great seats for that. Oh, uh, thank Judas you. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed. That was a great show that night. It was an amazing show. Yeah. And we really, we had phenomenal seats. Like when we got cool. those tickets in our hand, I was like, Ricky did us a solid. <laughs> well, well, you guys deserve so, it because you guys are great. So thank you. Uh, but totally appreciate it. Totally love Black Star Riders. This album is, again, you, you've continued to just better yourselves. Thank you. Best yourselves. And that's you. difficult because you guys have set the bar yeah. so high. And I, as a music fan and listener, I appreciate it. Yeah. So we've you. played all the songs on the album. Where can we find you? Where, where, where are you guys? Website, Twitter, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, the website, everything. Blackstar Riders on Ricky Warwick as well. Yeah, Blackstar Riders has a great website. You can yeah. get merch there, T-shirts. Yeah, you guys got great T-shirts. Thank you. It's very cool. So what I'm going to play us out with is the last time you did the show, 2015, 
and again, we've been talking about Thin Lizzy so much and how you guys aren't playing Thin Lizzy right. anymore. But you sat here and you played for me and Kyle on acoustic guitar. You played Jailbreak for us, and it was uh-huh. so fucking awesome. Uh-huh. Thanks. Because man. first of all, I, I don't know how you just pick up the guitar and sing for two other dudes. Right. And you gave it your all. Thank you. So I want people to hear that. If they, if you de- they didn't hear you the last time you were on the show, I want them to hear uh, this acoustic version. Uh, played right here in this room of Jailbreak. Thank you very much for being Thank here. Thank you, Pat, as ever. Giving Thank me you. your Sunday. Thank you. And everyone go by another State of Grace tomorrow. Here we go, Jailbreak. Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak Somewhere in this town it. So getting up and going down Hiding low, looking right and left You see us coming, I think it's best You move away, do you hear what I say From under my breath Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak Somewhere on this town Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak So don't you be around Don't you be around Tonight there's gonna be trouble Some of us won't survive See the boys and me, me in business We'll see I did a laugh I can hear the hound dog on my tail All hell breaks loose, alarm and sirens well Like the game if you lose, go to jail. Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak. Somewhere on the town. Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak. So don't you be around. Tonight there's gonna be trouble. It's safe. It's a jailbreak.